He really hits that one. Oh, that is just sensational from Luis Figo. And then Ronaldo! Hello and welcome back to the Portuguese Football Show, episode 7, season 2 today, and it is our first podcast after the new year, so... First of all, we'd like to wish all of our listeners, all of our readers, all of our people who follow us on Twitter, Happy New Year. 2022 should be a great year for football. In terms of football, we've got a lot to look forward to. And there's also a lot of football that we've missed over the last couple of weeks, over the festive period. So we'll be looking to delve straight into that. First of all, Philippe, how's it going? How was your... Uh, time off <laughs> it was it was amazing to be fair it's just like uh, how it should be a lot of food a lot of drinks uh time to rest and now coming back into the swing of it and uh i'm happy to go back into recording and yeah. see your pretty face like always <laughs> you know what it's a shame that we put these podcasts on spotify and they don't get to see us isn't it uh, or maybe 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 we're doing them a favor <laughs> <laughs> um, so, they had a chance to see us during the Euros and I think it was yeah, enough <laughs> that was enough, yeah, definitely uh, so this episode will be a bit of a special episode because it's our mid-season review it's our mid-year re- review through the 2021-22 uh, season so most most leagues there or thereabouts are approaching or have approached the halfway point and Portugal is no different uh, every side has now played 17 games Okay, and lots of talking points, lots of lots of teams that are maybe overachieving that we didn't think would be there. There's teams near the bottom who I really fear for. Uh, there's been lots of players that have been playing abroad that have been lighting up Europe uh, and the rest of the world. Managers have been doing the same. Uh, so we'll get into some of our bests and some of our wastes in the mid-season review so far. I actually put a tweet out on the Prossimo Janada Twitter. If you're not following, make sure you get following at Prossimo Janada 1. Uh, I asked for any thoughts, any questions to be sent in, and I also uh, put out three simple questions. Uh, said, as we have reached the midpoint of the season, quote or reply to this tweet with your votes for, first of all, the best Premier League player so far this season. The best Portuguese player who's playing abroad, okay, so not in Portugal. And then lastly, the best Portuguese manager this season. We had lots and lots of uh, lots of responses. We won't be able to go through all of them, but this seems to be a general theme throughout yeah, a lot of these answers. So. <laughs> so we'll see if if our answers uh, line up with some of these. We've also got some surprise inclusions. Inclusions, which to be honest, I'm not mad at. I'm not angry at. There's some good good picks in there that we might, or most people might gloss over. So we'll definitely get into that. So yeah, lo- lots to tackle. To be honest, uh, we'll start off. So just a brief uh, overview of the Tasta Portugal. Porto Menense have been beaten at home four two by Mafra. Mafra were actually three uh, one and then four one up at one point. Asserted their dominance, uh, got another goal towards the end, and Porto Menenses couldn't get back into the game. 
despite pe- getting one back in the first half through Shoya Nakajima, uh, Mafra did what any efficient side would do, and that's went up the other end and scored straight away to to effectively kill off any any hope of a comeback. Uh, so they, uh, Mafra, are into the semi-finals of the Test of Portugal. If I'm right for the first time in their history. Yeah, correct. Uh, it will be fun because between both, them and Tondela, one yes. of them will be for the first time ever in the final. So yeah, yeah, and um, both sides in the semi, yeah, both sides in the semi final are also because uh, Tondela as well. It's the first time they've ever been in the Tasta Portugal semi final. So absolutely amazing, and, and the fact that both Sporting they managed to beat Lesser four nil and uh, Porto overcame Vizela away three one. They're playing each other in the semi final, so one of those. Big guns, one of those Portuguese heavyweights has to go. Uh, two teams that domestically so far this season have, have I'd say, barely put a foot wrong. Obviously, Sporting came unstuck fairly recently against Santa Clara. But other than that, both sides have been completely ruthless, relentless, going on amazing winning streak runs. One of them's got into the last 16 of the Champions League in, in Sporting and Porto, <clears throat> unfortunately, were knocked out. But... Gave a good account of themselves overall and, and are now in the Europa League and face a tie against Lazio. So two teams who are very much uh, going for it. Be interesting to see those both square off in the semi-final. And then, as you say, Philippe, we're seeing another team in the final who we wouldn't usually see there. Well, in fact, we've we've never saw there. So that's also brilliant. It's brilliant for uh, Portuguese football. And I'm sure the one, uh, the team out of Porto and Sporting with both of those will be thinking... Yeah, get the semi-final out the way and the final is as good as done. But in football, you never know. So look, I'm already looking forward to the final and the semis haven't even taken place yet because I need to see that prospect. Can we see another uh, another upset, another shock? Um, go on, Philippe, sorry. Yeah, that's, that's for me, is the best thing about uh, the Portuguese Cup, which is when, obviously, when it's like, uh, like last year, Braga against Benfica or Sporting Porto or Benfica Sporting is always... Well, Benfica Sporting, I don't think it happens very often. I don't remember last time it happened, uh, maybe in the 90s. Um, but it's always good. My favorite ones are when, when at least one of the teams is not a big team or not used to go there, so... Uh, seeing Tondela or Mafra going to to the final will be will be very fun to watch, um, and then just to to give a shout to both of their managers because I think they're doing a, a great job. One from probably the most the, the family that lives in breeds football because the the Mafra manager is Ricardo Souza, which was a, an amazing football player, and then his dad was Antonio Souza, which was an amazing player in the 80s for Porto and then became a coach. And then the son of Ricardo Souza is Afonso Souza, which is under 19 year champion uh, at, at Porto and now playing for Bolognese, so uh, for Besat. So he's a, a very football oriented family. So that's <laughs> that's quite interesting to see. And then on the other side, Pac for, for Tondela, which is basically doing a, an amazing turnaround of, of the club. It's been probably, I think, since the under Premier League. Definitely the, the manager that stayed there for the longest, already second season, 18 months in charge, which is. <laughs> if you follow Portuguese football, you know that's not normal. <laughs> a manager yeah, yeah, staying yeah. for that long. <laughs> um, and then his, his, his work is doing a, a very decent season this year. And then taking the club to, to the to the semifinals is just uh, incredible, to, to be fair, and, and very fair of his, of his work. There are a lot of people, including myself, I, when he came to, to Tondela last year, I was not 
thinking highly. It's very uh, suspicious about managers going to Portugal uh, just based on, on name, but to be fair, he's doing an amazing job and ended up very, very well and understand what he could do and what he could not do with his team. Yeah. And for me, that's that's a mark of a, of a good coach. So fair play to him. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, whether he had that the, those sorts of credentials to go on uh, and become sort of like a top a top coach in his own right. And obviously he's had first team coaching roles. Uh, I think he was at Valencia for a, for a short while. He didn't do particularly well, but that was during that era of Valencia where every Gary single Neville. manager... Gary Neville. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think any manager was doing particularly well there. Um, uh, and, and at Las Palmas, he didn't do particularly well either. So good to see him uh, thriving at Tondela now. And... Um, Go for Portuguese football and, and go for the cup, as you say. Uh, we have a lot of our, our English audience who listen uh, to to learn more about Portuguese football in in the same way that the FA Cup throws up shocks. Maybe not as many now as as we used to, obviously with the sort of financial disparity. But seeing one of those two sides in in Tondela and Mafra go to the final is 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 unbelievable. So absolutely brilliant, and. Um, it shows that the magic of the cup is still there. Yeah. And I think it, yeah. it, it's a very good point that you say, which is, I think maybe 10 years ago, I feel that the big teams in these games, like Sporting against Leicester, rotate a lot of players, but Porto yeah, uh, against Vizela didn't rotate um, uh, not many. And maybe 10 years ago, it used to be games where the big teams would change 11 players. They would they would literally not care at all about about a cup and then lately more and more that is like there's still a bit of rotation but um they they take it seriously and i think that's something that's important and it makes it the competition more valuable at the end yeah yeah and and it does it, it, it and th- you think of those players as well that go up against these sides it, it can come across as a little bit a bit of a kick in the teeth for, for those players in the organizations if they do come up against the big sides and they rotate, you know, that happens all around Europe. You know, there's a, there was quite, I remember conversations in England about it, about mass changes and it's disrespecting the competition and stuff. So it is good to see these teams taking it serious and going toe-to-toe. And for, as I say, for those players who may be playing in in Liga 3 or playing in the Campeonato or whatever it may be, even Segunda Liga, coming up against these players who, who are then going off and playing midweek in Champions League games, you know, and playing at, at like a high level, playing for the national teams. Uh, because, I mean, although it might give them a better chance of qualifying if they come up against the B team, uh, these players, when they, when you know, when a Porto Sporting Benfica Braga is pulled out of the hat, they don't want to play the, you know, the, the B team and the C team. They want to be going up and testing themselves against the best and, and, showing their, and showing their own, you know, stature and showing their own abilities off. So, well done to those two clubs. And well, to be honest, well done to... To all four clubs who've who've qualified now. When we talk about mid-season review, we 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 really do have to start with best Premier League player so far this season. I think but... my answer is the same answer that maybe ninety nine point nine percent of the people replied. Yeah. But I give you more. He's not just the best player in the league. He's the best player of outside. If you take the five top leagues away. Um, it's it's the best player of the West in Europe. It's what yeah. he's doing is is not normal. Is the same level of a walk did at Porto when he was at Porto, which is Luis Diaz. Uh, what he's playing is it's incredible. <laughs> incredible. The way he can decide the 
a, a game for in a 1v1 or bring the ball inside and, and just score beauties. His, his influence in Porto's game is uh, out of this world. So I'm pretty sure most of people say the same. I'm pretty sure you're going to say the same as well because <laughs> it's, it's too clear not to be said. Uh, I've just actually had a little flick through the replies and two people have said answers other than Luis Diaz. Do you want to take a guess at the, who those two players are? The other two? Uh, I think some people might say Rafa. That's one, one Rafa. of them. Rafa Silva, yeah, you got one. And the other one? The other one... The other one's hard. Sarabia? No, no, Vitinha, uh, yeah. ah, and it wasn't, it wasn't Vitinha, me on Vitinha's my, on my Bayonet account. Someone, someone <laughs> have said it's a VR. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's, it, that looks like it's me on my Bayonet account, <laughs> yes. but it's not, it's not, yeah, Luis Diaz. Um, I think we're both going to go with the same answer for the second question, which is best Portuguese player uh, playing abroad. Well, well, best Portuguese player playing abroad. Yeah, there'll be a hundred percent of the answers. I would hope it needs yeah, to be yeah, yeah. Bernard Silva. It's, it's no other way. But I have an extra question for you. Go on. Which is, give me the best Portuguese player playing in Portugal. That would be not as obvious. In terms of who's had the best season, or in terms of who I think is the best player playing abroad. The one that had the best season so far. To be honest, the two names we've, we've mentioned there, Vitinha's had a, an absurd season so far. He's still obviously young, but he's having maybe the best season so far. Um, Rafa Silva, again, is, is putting up numbers when it comes to his assists. I think he's already matched the assist record from last season, last season. Uh, at the midway point. So it, we, we could literally see him finish with you know, 20, 25 plus assists a season, which is just crazy to think about, uh, especially if Benfica really get the tails up and and uh, improve under Verissimo, well, that remains to be seen. But just in terms of your your pick there with mine is, is Bernardo Silva, this one is a bit more split down the middle. I wouldn't even say the majority. There's lots of different answers for this one. We've had lots of Joel Cancel's We've actually had a few people put Joao Cancelo slash Bernardo uh, and then put in brackets like at the moment. Uh, someone, the same person who put Vitinha, uh, I'm guessing this is a Wolves fan, the same person who put Vitinha has also put Ruben Neves, who is having a fantastic season. <laughs> yeah, that's to be a fair. good shout to be fair. <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll take that. We've had a couple, Jose Sars, who's, again, is is. You know, for my money, he's, he's been one of the best Portuguese signings this season. New, new signings up there with... Um, yeah. Best Portuguese keeper at the moment. And the same person who said that actually said for best Premier League player, they said Luis Diaz and then put in brackets. But if it's someone you wouldn't expect, it's Fran Navarro. Ooh. Your man, your boy, and I know you're a big, you're a big Fran big, fan. Big fan. <laughs> um, that's pretty much it. And then just the last question is the best Portuguese manager. Now, I, I didn't say abroad. I didn't say in Portugal. I left this one open because a Portuguese manager is a Portuguese manager. Wherever they're managing, obviously, we've we've got, even outside of Europe, what we've saw. Uh, it's difficult with South America because, obviously, we're at the midway point of 2021-22, whereas their season's running sort of a calendar year, just 2021, yeah. 2022. So, Renato Paiva, uh, Abel Ferreira, it's difficult. But who would you go with? 
for me, just because of if if we think about the 2021 as a year, it needs it can only be one person, which is Abel, because what he did, he basically won twice the Libertadores in the same year because he won the in Jan in January he won the 2020. I don't know if he pushed it forward. So 2020. 2020 he won one there in january and then obviously yeah. in november he won the 2021 so it's it's like impossible yeah. not to mention Crazy. him but if you think about like more traditional way the year so far i would go with with ruben Amorim because after winning the league last year the way he's still fighting for the league obviously being second three points behind and the way you overcome Dortmund in the Champions League to take Sporting only for the second time Incredible. ever to the last 16 of the Champions League it's it's uh, needs to be mentioned yeah. as well I think it, you know what what kind of gets glossed over as well is in the manner that they've managed to do it because when that group stage phase began I was Portuguese football fans everywhere no matter who you support would have had that same feeling and it's it's the the opening I was at the first game the the 5-1 and coming out of the stadium and and just listening to fans walking around talking to each other and you could see that sort of despondency because the season before it obviously being so great you know won the first title in in, in 19 seasons same came so close to it, you know, doing it an, an invincible season and then that defeat sort of coming at the end and then the new season starts uh you know lost lost players in, in in the likes of Nuno Mensch and then the Champions League campaign begins and they lose 5-1 then they lose 1-0 to Dortmund at, at Dortmund and it's although they were still winning in the league and they were winning the Tasta Liga and you know they were they were managing to put results together when those those uh when the game against Besiktas happened you're thinking okay that was it that was a three points on the table but still going there and getting those three points is another, you know, because before that you're thinking, yeah, if there's if there's two if there's two games that they should win in the group, it's it's winning home and away uh, against Besiktas, but football doesn't work like that. Uh, but they did four 0 win, and then the next game after that was the the Dortmund game. If I'm if I'm right, yeah, that was just an incredible moment for for Amorim, for the players, for for Portuguese football, the manner in which they got to this stage, the manner in which they've managed to pick themselves back up, knocked out Borussia Dortmund and just an incredible, an incredible achievement. So I'm definitely with you on that one, I think, with, with Amorim. While I'm on the topic of him, in your lifetime, where's, where does Amorim rank? In like Portuguese managers? For, or no, just for, sporting? For, just, just, just that, yeah, just sporting. Just sporting football. managers, he will be... Who to, to, to a second because it was when I started watching football with more attention and he was the manager of the one of the most amazing teams I've seen playing which was Boloni uh, when Sporting won the league in 2000 2001 2000. With, yeah. when you have a team with Jardel, João Pinto, Viana, Quaresma it's hard <laughs> not to win to be honest yeah. but watching that team play was it was something else so I would rank him then but to be honest, for the importance he had for the club as a overall, Ruben Amorim would be first because this is the different club from what it was twenty four months ago before he started. Oh, mate! It's it's a, a completely one hundred eighty round. So 
as an importance for the club, it will be first, and I don't think many people would argue with that. Um, obviously, all the people that me might, might argue in fair play because they will have a better knowledge. But since I watch football, it's it's been the most important one. The club that he came into, not just the team, not just the fact that what was going on sort of on the pitch, everything around it, the disconnect between... Yeah. It was like very toxic. Now and the fans, yeah, the, the 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 upper level management. Then you factor in the fact like losing such a big asset in 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 the wind in the in the uh, in the January transfer market like Bruno, and then him still finishing the season as the club's top scorer and top assister. That tells you everything you need to know. And I think he only scored eight that season. Uh, that tells you everything you need to know about what was happening on the pitch. Uh, the culture change around the club, the connection that he's managed to bring together with the fans, this this sort of attitude of, you know, uh, uh, the, the the famous press conference of just, yeah, I'm, what if it goes well? Yeah. You know, and it's that sort of, we can only try and we can try our hardest and he's completely reaping the rewards. So definitely. Uh, on Twitter, people were... Sergio Conceição must have a few votes as well because he has, he has, he has full he's, year he's, without the fits. It's uh... <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, to not, yeah, to not, and, and then this, this, this season, uh, obviously didn't get the the result he wanted in the Champions League. But as I say, came close. I mean, they should have really put the game away against. In Milan, when Milan got back into it, and those games, those moments, they're the difference. But as you say, domestically, they've been without fault. Uh, they just continue on, uh, and I think with with a side as good as Sporting, who've got as so many as many talisman as they have, and with a manager as good as Amarim, uh, you've got to be on your game to be at the top of the table. And at the moment, they are. Uh, there's quite a few votes for Sergio Conceição. I mean, Amarim is still the the outright winner, I think, with this. There's a couple of votes, maybe I think it was two votes for Marco Silva, which. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I put a tweet out the other day on uh, the numbers that Fulham are putting up at the moment. I think they've got two games in hand on. They're like two points off the top. They've got two games in hand. They've scored a ridiculous amount of goals. The last, I think I said the last time they got promoted to the Premier League, they scored 64 goals in the entire season. Uh, this season, they're at the midway point and they've scored 58. They've won 7-0 away from home twice. They are the only side ever in the championship to do that. Uh, so defensively, they've been brilliant as well. They're barely conceding any goals. So I'm fair play to him for taking the necessary time away after the Everton job. He didn't race to go and put his name in the half for another job, and he was offered he was offered jobs as well. Didn't want to do that. He wanted to go away and learn and improve and see what went wrong, and then go back in at a and an ambitious club, maybe not at the in the Premier League, not at the top top level, but to see what he can do. And and there's there's no doubt about it, he'll be managing in the Premier League next season if he stays at Fulham. He's not. So do you want me to tell you where's he going next year? Go on, where's he going? He's coming to Portugal to coach in Lisbon, and he's going to Benfica. Guarantee. <laughs> can you see it happening? Yeah. Can no doubt. If he gets promoted no for Fulham, you'll have his name back up. And Rui Costa will bring him to Benfica. Because I think he'll be get offered the job because a few years ago, I think it was for Porto, where he said no because he had the, the Everton job line up mm -hmm. before Conceição went to, to Porto. 
um, and um, and I think he still regrets. No, not go. Yeah, I mean taking that Everton job, it's a, it's a big regret, like of <laughs> of his. And he he's one of I think a, te- a testament to him is that you won't find many Evertonians who hate him or dislike him. I think a lot of them think the same thing is that he was just he was unlucky at times. He was very unlucky at times, maybe a little bit out of his depth in terms of how to get results when things aren't going well. But at the end, I think he did lose all his confidence. You could see him on the sideline. He was down in the dumps, ended up getting sacked. And now you fast forward to today, you know, Marcus Silva's Everyone happy. finds he's a way got, of getting sacked from Everton. Yeah, he's, yeah he's, <laughs> he's, he's thriving. He's got, he's got you know, he's he's got that spring in his step again to play an attack on football. And whatever happens to him next year, I'm sure it'll be whatever happens, it'll be back on the back of him getting promoted to whether it's getting another job in, in Portugal, such as the Benfica job, or having another crack at the Premier League, or moving to another club. We, we'll see. And I think we actually only had three manage, four managerial names. We had Conceição, Amorim, uh, Bruno, uh, sorry, Marco Silva, and the last one is Bruno Lage. We had quite a few, which, again, I can see. Uh, I can see, especially... In recent times, he's shown, I think, something that maybe people didn't think that he had in his locker is, is well, more so now, I think, with his experience, is, is tactical flexibility in terms of, if you remember the first three games of the season, he was, Wolves were playing the way he wanted them to play. So, playing a back four, uh, they were having lots of shots. They were transition very, very quickly, getting the ball from back to front. And they were battering teams. They played three big teams at the start of the season. I think they played, was it United in one? And they got beat 1-0. They played Spurs in one. They got beat 1-0. And they played Leicester and they got beat 1-0. And in every game, they had more shots than the opposition. Mm-hmm. I think in two of the three games, they had more possession. But basically, at that point, it, he, he sort of had to think, right, can I keep playing this type of football and not picking up any points? But... I'm getting lots of plaudits from people who are saying, the goals will come, the goals will come. He reverted back to a system that the players were more familiar with. Uh, Utilised the the wing-backs. Then Wolves were actually getting nowhere near as many shots off. They were finishing games sometimes with one or two shots on target. And they started winning games. And now in recent times, in, in more recent times, in the last couple of games, they've started to look more like what they did at the start of the season. And you can see that he wants to go back to that. Now he's at a stage where he's got some points on the board and instilling that sort of philosophy within the players. Some of the, the goals recently, I mean, that who scored, who who, who finished off the move? Was it was it the Nelson Semedo goal? Daniel Pudence, Fabio Silva, Nelson Semedo. That goal, the football in that is prime, like, large ball. It was... Unbelievable! Some of the some of the play, even though even the, the the moves that haven't resulted in goals, some of their transitions, some of the patterns of play, you can see clearly, like tactically, this fella's got ideas. This fella's got like a talent and ability, and they wouldn't be where they are in the league if he didn't. Obviously, and you know we saw this young charismatic coach at Benfica who going out and scoring goals, and then in the second season it was sort of seeing how it unfolded and could he deal with it. Now I think it, 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 cool. there could be a, a, whole, a whole new podcast as well, which is because that second season that people had like a, a 
think that Lange lost the plot and, and they go down hard until he gets sacked. They the half part, the first part of the season they they went without any defeat. They first lose a game against Porto when they can go ten points up and then they go just four points up because they lose two one in Dragon or three two three two I think it was the game. Um and 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 they were playing good football I think then Vigo comes along and I think they disrupt a lot because he had to play him because he was quite a very expensive sign he was twenty million at the time and then COVID comes and I think they had a hard time to to recover from then. Then they lose. I think they go away to Famalicão and they lost. And then they lose at home against Santa Clara. And then there's all that conversation with Jesus be, being able to to go back to Benfica and Vieira never spoke clearly at the time what he wanted. And then he does a very odd press conference after defeat and then he gets sacked. And it's a, a period of a month where everything goes wrong. <laughs> like the, I think it's the Murphy Law. If something can go wrong, it will go wrong. And, and what happened <coughs> to him? And yeah, because then Verissim, uh, now back at, at Benfica manager, but he takes charge and it, it doesn't change anything. It, they keep playing the same way, more or less the same players. And they won the games until the end of the season. They lose the cup at the final against Porto. But they had a good team. They had a good system going. But I think it was more like the idea of Jorge going back and take back with him like the amazing football at Flamengo and the football that people had in their heads from the first stage of Benfica that really damaged Bruno Lage. Because he's a good manager. Yeah. I have a book with him when he was assistant manager in Besiktas with Carlos Carvalhal. And... The stuff they write down, him and Carvalhal, is, is great. You can see exactly what he wants, like patterns of play, coaching drills, mm-hmm. how he plans the week, and it's amazing. Like There's no doubt he's a good manager. But yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's crazy how, in a short period of time, with no backing from a board, a, a manager loses everything in his hand. Yeah. How quickly it can turn, yeah. how quickly it can go. It's like that when we see how quickly things can go from bad to good. Uh, it can well more often than not go quickly from from good to bad. And just on that, someone actually I, I don't agree with this first part. They said no coaches really stood out to me. Uh, but then he put probably Bruno Large Wolves are playing really good football. It's a complete style change too, which is impressive in just half a season. Our mid-season review, Philippe, you've got a really interesting, really interesting set of questions for me uh, and for our listeners as well to get involved with. Uh, to let us know on Twitter. So, Philippe, yeah, take please. It away. So, get involved. I want to see loads of of replies on on Twitter. So, I'm gonna give you guys and you Aaron eight clubs, and if you had to describe their season so far in one word, which word would that be? Or one expression? Which expression would that be? You ready for the first one? Yes. They first in the league, so deserve to go first. Port. Determined. Why? Determined. The, ooh, I see that's the thing with being one word. I was thinking, shall I give some answers? Or I don't, because I'll end up talking, right? So if I find um, interesting, I'll ask you why. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll give, I'll give, I'll give just like a brief description of each one. As I said before, I think there's so much, there's so much going on, and there's so much sort of hype around Amorim and Sporting and about the great things that they're doing, which is brilliant. Uh, but for Sergio Conceição for Porto, they've just had to focus on their own task at hand and that's just to keep winning games because when you've got a rival that's as competitive as Sporting who've seemingly came out of nowhere in terms of this Amorim transformation as I say it could be easy to uh, to to sort of 
be blown away a little bit by it. But they're providing stiff competition this season. They're on the, the top of the league, as I say. They'll be looking to not slip up. They haven't lost a game. They haven't lost a game in the calendar year. Uh, and they've got their, their eye on the ball and, and they don't look like they're going to slip up anytime soon. Nice, nice. Like that. I like it. You ready for the second one? Yeah. Sporting. See, I'd want to say consistent. But then, then Santa Clara happened. <laughs> you know what? I'll go with. I'll go with solid, solid. Uh, again, they've the fact that they've conceded ten goals is just ridiculous. It's, it's more impressive if you think from those ten goals, five of them are from the last two games. Yeah, it is. We spoke a little bit on the. La- I think it was the last part when we said. If you look at where the goals actually come from, seventeen you go seventeen games, ten goals. Sounds like it's spread amongst, but when you look at it, when you actually isolate them, they've conceded in probably like you know only a, only a handful of games. Um, so yeah, of course, Antonio Adan I think is is leading once again for clean sheets. Uh, yeah, solid, very very solid. Um, winning games, and the, the 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 thing is, if you would have asked me this last season. I'd have probably given you an answer such as resilient because uh, of how many late goals and and how the sporting seems to have this never-say-die attitude. And I still think they've got that this season as well. But yeah, definitely, definitely solid. Good, good. Uh, Next one, Benfica. Hmm, I had to think about this earlier and I was torn between a couple. Frustrating. Frustrating. I like that. Yeah. Uh, and this one I need to give mine as well. It's just, yeah. just disorganized. Nothing looks like yeah. it was thought in the beginning of the season, especially now. And if if you're not a Portuguese speaker, you might not um, know or understand. Uh, Rui Costa, the president of Efica, gave a, a big interview yesterday. And what he says now is completely opposite what was happening in the beginning of the season. So now the focus is the youth. And in the beginning of the season was hiring this uh, Yamanchuk, Maite, Lucas Brissim was already last year. But all this group of players came in and didn't really play the youth. And now it's a completely change of, of what they want to do with the club. So it's clearly a lack of direction there. Um, yeah. Next one, Braga. I'm tempted to say, after what we said before, I'm tempted for their words to just be fourth. <laughs> <laughs> or just be Braga, because there's, there's no way of saying in a, in a, in a mini-league of their own in one word. Um, I, I, maybe maybe inconsistent. Um, go th- Braga go through these periods of... I mean, you if you look at their recent form... Drawn against Familicao, beat Aruja, lost against Vizela, beat Belenenses Sad, lost against Boavista, lost against Porto, drawn in Europe uh, with, with, where was it, Red Star, and then they won a couple of games in the league and then lost it. Yeah, very, well, actually, I don't want to say inconsistent because I've got inconsistent for one of my other teams because uh, I think when, when we were speaking about it earlier, I think this was one of the teams. Um, Braga, I need to think of another word. And at times they play some amazing football. They're weird. Yeah, they're, they're a weird they're team. Weird. It looks like they... strange. That's the word. I'm just gonna go with strange. Strange. They're a strange. <laughs> a they're one. a strange team. They're having a strange season. They've only won nine games. 
But then when they do win games, you think this is a team that can challenge like Benfica for that Champions League spot. And then you see some games and it's like, how are you losing? To, like, they, they're strange. They are. They're strange they are. That's, a great, that's a great word, mate. That's a great word. <laughs> now, these this four you... had to be on our list, but the next yeah. four is the ones that are going to be more fun. So, okay. my our fifth team is Guimarães. <laughs> I am going to go with my word of the day, inconsistence. <laughs> I'm going to go with inconsistence um, because for me, they, whenever, because this, where they are at the moment, they want to be pushing for the European places and they want to be competing and that's understandable. Um, but some of the games, some of the performances... They can look like different teams. They 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 just very inconsistent. Um, and you as I say, like what's that fame? What the famous quote they say: if some if something is consistently inconsistent, it's actually consistent. consistent. Yeah. So so and and if you look at their numbers, they may have the most symmetrical, like the the most symmetrical numbers in the table because they've won six, they've lost six. And they've drawn five. Like they're very win, draw, loss, win, draw, loss, win, draw, loss, win, draw, loss. And to be honest, if they played one more game, if they played 18 games, I wouldn't put it past them drawing. <laughs> so they've won six, drawn six, and lost six. So if we look at their next game, it's against Sport Dominance away. They're going to draw. <laughs> that will end 2 2. And they will have six, six, six in the column. Okay. I don't need to explain please, myself. Please, anything. if that happens, your tweet needs to be just six, six, six. That's it. <laughs> the mark of the devil. <laughs> I need, yeah. to, I need to share mine with this one. Like, Gimbrich is just apologize because every single time, every couple of weeks, they have a bad result. And we see these images of him going to the fans, apologizing for another disappointed result. So, that, that's, yeah. that would be my word for that. Apologize. Like <laughs> because I feel that's the same, <laughs> same thing over and over again. It's every like a time. loop. Now in the last few yeah. seasons, uh, yeah. Our next team, we we touched upon it uh, earlier, a uh, maritim. Maritimo, my word for maritimo is resurgent, resurgent, definitely. Uh, the turnaround, I didn't suspect. If you're a listener to the show, you know it sounds like I've sounds like us both. We we've, we've been trying to relegate maritimo <laughs> for the past two seasons well we really haven't but they get themselves into these predicaments where you think they'd be belling into sad I think earlier on in the season so yeah four wins yeah four wins they beat Pastor Freire drawn with Bovista uh, beat Vizela then beat Porto Menence. so yeah resurgence they've they've the turnaround has been uh, incredible and and to be honest did we ex- did we Expect this. I, I remember we were speaking on the podcast, and I can't remember what we said when we Vasco Siava has taken over. Um, now we said, we, said, we said great things that we thought they were going to do a good job. I just hated the fact how they play against Benfica because it was the most yeah. open thing ever, and yeah. it got me yeah, really yeah. annoyed. But he's a good From manager. A yeah, 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 yeah. So, so yeah, yeah but it was to be fair, it was exactly the same type of thing I was thinking. Next team, Gil Vicente. I've just read there, Vasco Siabra is averaging two points a match at the minute with Manismo. It's ridiculous. 
It's unbelievable. Um, Gilles Vicente. Ooh. Um, I don't want to go with impressive. That's too easy. But they have been impressive, but I, I don't want to go with that. I'm going to go with fluid. Ooh. Fluid. I'm going to go with fluid. Uh, some of the performances that they put together when they're on it, like in the game against Familicao, uh, 4-0, 3-0 against Tondela, scored th- another three goals the week after against Vittoria. Yeah. Uh, yeah, fluid. The Very, very good to watch when they're on it. I know you're a big fan of yeah, Gilles Vicente. M- my word would be plan because I feel every but, time yeah. they go on the pitch, they have a clear plan of how they're going to play and how they're going to use... Um, Somewhere in for Navarre, Fujimoto, and exactly what they want them to do in every single game. So, so plan, but, but yeah, just we keep like talking that. about them because what they're doing is, is very, very special. And then, my last team, a Besad, <laughs> what would be your word to describe Besad? Lachluster. So, Lachluster, Lachluster, in terms of the fact that they, well, just, just by definition, is they just don't look like they have. Any answers to, to what's happening? They they whether it be firepower up front, whether it be keeping clean sheets at the back, um, ten defeats, nine goals scored, just yeah, yeah, lackluster again tonight. Um, as we were recording that, I think that game. Well, it was a little bit earlier, six o'clock kickoff. They lost again, uh, to to Familicao after winning against Aruka as well, uh, but. Maybe, maybe it takes because uh, I think they, in the Aruka game they got Aruka had two men sent off. So maybe if every game the opposition gets two men sent off, then they might have a chance. But other than that, um, and 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 uh, to be honest, yeah, I'd say I'd say there because in certain games you think if they got a goal, you know some of the narrow defeats that they've had, like the, the game against the Strill, that could easily you know get beat one nil. Week after they got beat one 0 by Braga, they were not only beating the cup uh, by Rioav, they were not only beat tonight against Familicao. Just this sort of like, yeah, we haven't got any answers for this. We 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 want to turn it around. We're we're trying to keep you know the score down, but we're just we're lacking in firepower. I'd use that as my word, lacking in firepower. But of, unfortunately, it's it's a, it's <laughs> it's more than one word. So that concludes our mid-season review. I've been Adam Barton for Prosimo Jonade. Philippe, thank you as always. Thank you, sir, and see you next week. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.